0: that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the spirit, grown inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this we hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many others among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Our oh, was a remarkable lady. She's now at peace. She's now at home with Jesus. But she said this: it was on the video, suffering is not a mistake. Suffering is not the absence of God's goodness. Because God is present in your pain. God is present in your pain. And Joni Erickson Tarder would have said something similar. If you know her story, she was. Left a quadriplegic after a diving accident in 1967. She spent 45 years confined to a wheelchair. And she says that God has chosen not to heal me, but He's chosen to hold me. Uh, She says this The more intense my pain, the closer God's embrace. The more intense my pain, the closer is God's embrace. And, and I can testify to that, God's presence in pain. Uh, you know my story, my charter was marked by pain and suffering. When I was six, my brother had cancer. When I was 11, my dad was terminally ill. We nursed him 24-7 for nine long years. My sister is the victim of domestic violence and the pain of just seeing her hospitalized time and time and time again by the viciousness of, of domestic violence. I've watched my wife suffer. We have nursed three premature babies through NICU. There's been betrayals. There's been lies. And I I can testify that the deeper the pain, the closer God's embrace. The deeper my pain, the closer I've drawn to God. As a pastor for 25 years, I've walked alongside people in pain. And I've seen God draw them closer and closer and closer to him, people have experienced God in ways they never would have if they hadn't gone through that pain. And that is one response to this question, where is God in my praying, to say that when you run to God, when you find comfort and strength and hope in God, you experience his presence in ways you never have done before. But I'm guessing that answer just infuriates some people. The comedian Stephen Fry was asked this: you walk up to the pearly gates and you're confronted by God, what would Stephen Fry say to him, her, or it? Fry replied, This, I'd say, bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you, how dare you create a world that has such misery that is not our fault? It's not right, it's utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world that's full of injustice and pain? And that interview went viral because so many people agree with him, the atheists, the agnostics, even Christians. What is God doing? Where is God in this pain? Let, Let me deal with Stephen Fry's complaint very briefly. The problem with his response is that he blames a God that he claims not to believe in and he abdicates all human responsibility, and he assumes that this world is as God intended, and he assumes that God can have no reason for pain, and he assumes that God is powerless to stop pain. The Bible is very clear that God created a perfect world, a good world. It's only after what we call the fall that everything is messed up. And so God would agree with Stephen Fry. He'd say this world is totally messed up. You just can't just blame God. One person said this, to blame God for natural disasters and childhood cancer. It's like blaming the landlord after tenants have trashed their house. The question, where is God in my pain? The atheist answer is, it's just sad. An atheist would say to this question, well, bad things just happen. Just suck it up and deal with it. There's no comfort in that. The human logic answer to this question is flawed, Because the human logic says, well, well, God is supposed to be all powerful, and God is supposed to be all good, so why doesn't God stop the pain? And they say, if God is all powerful, and he doesn't stop the pain, he can't be all good. And if God is all good, but is not able to stop the pain, he can't be all powerful. But it's flawed. Because the assumption is that our limited minds can know every reason for everything that happens. We are not all-knowing. God is all-knowing, and that means there are some things like pain and suffering that we just don't know the reason for. We may never know the reason for that. Look at three things this morning. Number one, the presence of pain, the presence of pain. Because life is painful. Pain is a reality. Let's think back a hundred years. We've had World War I, the Holocaust, famines in Africa, Killing fields of Cambodia, genocide of Rwanda, 9-11, tsunamis, earthquakes, murder, rape, terrorism, flooding, cancer, AIDS, Ebola, COVID. Do you want me to keep on going? But that's just out there. What about us personally, speaking personally? I know people sitting here who have experienced deep pain, cancer, chronic pain, other health issues. Unwanted divorce, infertility, unemployment, loneliness, lies. Now, pain can be anything from a sore throat to the sudden death of a loved one. From simple disappointment to utter disaster. And every single one of us experiences pain. Physical, relational, mental, emotional, financial, social, and spiritual. As R.E.M. sang, everybody hurts sometimes. And pain hurts, it suffocates, it entangles. And please hear me clearly, being a Christian does not exempt you from pain. Christians are never spared from the brokenness of this world. The Bible is full of people in pain, and Jesus told us pain will be part of our lives. On the screen is is John chapter 16. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Surely there are times in life when, like the psalmist, you, you just want to cry out, God, where are you? What are you doing? Surely there are times when you've asked God, why did you make this painful world? Why couldn't you make a world that was painless? And the answer is, He did. Genesis 1, God saw everything he made. It was very good. It was perfect. No pain, no suffering, no evil. And then sin entered the world. And we decided we know better than God. And that's why Genesis 3 is so important to this question. Because if you remove the fall, then perhaps we could blame God. But ever since the fall, this world has been messed up by us, by people. People cause pain People choose to be selfish, arrogant, uncaring, and helpful. Did you know that it's estimated 95% of the world's suffering is caused by us? Take famine. The world produces more than enough food for every single human being on the planet to have 3,000 calories per day. It's just that some of us are greedy and hoarders and wasteful and selfish. My point is that we human beings are the cause of much pain. Can I say, don't ignore pain. Please don't pretend that you're not in pain. It is right when you're in pain to be sad, to express sorrow and despair and even anger. It's okay to cry out and even shout at God like Psalm 44, wake up, Lord, why are you sleeping? Don't reject us. Why do you hide yourself? Why do you forget my afflictions? It's okay to do that. Now, a third of the Psalms are called Lament Psalms. They're written to give us language to express our pain. They they use nouns and verbs to describe pain better than any other book I've ever read. Now, I, I tell you what you don't want when you're in the midst of pain. You you don't want people to quote Bible verses at you and to do theology with you. Personally speaking, when my dad died, a well-meaning Christian said to me this, God allowed it to happen so that you'll be able to help other people who are grieving. And that is true. But I didn't want to hear that right in that moment. When Nate, our second son, was born at 32 weeks, two days old, he's in NICU, And a pastor comes in and says this, Jesus suffered too. I'm sure there's some good reason for this, and it'll all be okay in the end. But it might not have been okay. I'm sure there was a good reason, but at that moment I didn't need to hear that. So please don't quote Bible verses at people. And you certainly don't want people to tell you that your pain is the consequence of some sin in your life. Remember Job? Job who lost his cattle, his possessions, his property, his kids, his health, and their so-called friends sat with him and said, you're suffering because you sinned. Now, Now, sometimes our pain is the consequence of some particular action of ours, but not always. And please don't say theological nonsense like, if God could have kept you from the pain, he would have. That's rubbish. Is God powerless? And don't say things like, oh, God should get rid of all pain right now. Where do you want God to start? Get rid of terrorists and murderers and paedophiles and how about he gets rid of unkind people and gossips and proud people and selfish people? Because then you start to feel uncomfortable. If If you want God to get rid of all pain, he means getting rid of us. So the presence of pain is part of our lives. Number two, the purpose of pain. Because pain is not meaningless. Pain has a purpose. Tim Keller says this. Christianity teaches that contra-fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. Contra-Buddhism, suffering is real. Contra-karma, suffering is often unfair. But contra-secularism, suffering is meaningful. There's a purpose to it. And if faced rightly, it can drive you like a nail deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you could ever, ever imagine. I often say that pain is not good, but God can use pain to accomplish good. Pain in itself is not good, but God can use pain to accomplish good. Pain is not good. It's it's never good to be sick, to be sad, to be abused, to be mistreated. It's never good. But God can use it for good. That's the claim of the Bible, Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Let me be very clear. I am not saying that everything that happens is good. Cancer and chronic pain is not good. And this verse doesn't say there's a happy ending to everything. Not every injustice will be corrected on this earth. Not every disease will be healed. Not every pain will be removed. But this verse tells me that in all things, God works for good. Yes, even in pain. And As I read the Bible, there are six ways that God uses pain. He uses it to cause us to worship I love 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. He says this, we were under great pressure. This is Paul, shipwrecked, beaten. Under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we'd be received the sentence of death. But, but this happened that, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Because when we're in pain, we do have this choice. You either run to God or you run away from Him. You rely on Him or you rely on other things. And God often uses pain to draw us closer to Him, to experience Him and to adore Him and to worship Him like we never have before. Psalm 34, the, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And Joni says this, an incredible statement, I would rather be in this wheelchair knowing God than on my feet without knowing him. Remember Job, when Job is in the depths of despair and and he's he's demanding an answer for God. Tell me, God, tell me. And so God speaks to Job in a whirlwind. And instead of drawing an answer to that question, he never explains the exact reason why he's suffering. Instead, he, he draws Job's eyes upwards, to the majesty and to the power and to the might of God, and says, Job, were you there? Were you there when I created the heavens? Were you there? Do you control the stars, and do you control the snow, and do you control the sea? Job, if you think you're so important, tell me. And that's what often what God does in our pain. It humbles us so that we say, I am not God. I don't like this. I don't understand this. But God, you are still God, and I will choose to worship you. See, when you surrender to the bigness of God, even when you don't understand why, something happens when you actively choose to worship through your pain. I know my most passionate prayers I pray are when I'm in the depth of pain. When I spend time alone with my God and I draw close to Him, I tell Him exactly how I'm feeling. Because worship is not always about celebrating and praising and thanksgiving. Worship is when you express your grief and your shock and you surrender to God. It's that that posture where you redirect your worry to be worship and you place yourself in God's hand. It changes your perspective and changes everything. Number one, worship. Number two, fellowship. God uses pain to draw us close to each other. Galatians 6, you, you're called to carry each other's burdens. A church is supposed to be sharing your weakness, sharing your suffering, sharing your failures, sharing your pain. Because it builds this common bond. It's about being open, about being vulnerable. Now, the thing about pain is it, 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 it's indiscriminate. Pain pays no attention to age or gender or to education or wealth. So at some point, everybody in this church is going to experience pain. And you've got a choice. You can be vulnerable. You can allow others to see you in the depth of your pain. You can choose to share with a few close friends just how deep this pain is. And I hope you'll experience what I call the The ministry of presence, where people just show up for you and they shut up. They show up and they shut up. And they listen. And they cry. And they care. Number three, God uses pain for discipleship. God uses pain to grow us to be more like Jesus. We we don't like this one, but it's true. Romans 5, verse 3, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. That is one of the purposes of pain that God uses to to shape us, to change us, to mature us, to conform us to the likeness of his Son. This is 2 Corinthians 7 in the message version. It says this, And now, isn't it wonderful all the ways in which this distress has goaded you closer to God? You're more alive, you're more concerned, more sensitive, more reverent, more human, more passionate, more responsible. Looked at from every angle, you've come out of this with with purity of heart. As we suffer, we're supposed to be asking the questions Okay, how is God at work in this? How is God shaping me through this? Now, sometimes it's only in retrospect you can see that. Joni says this, every sorrow we taste will one day prove to be the best possible thing that could have happened. We'll thank God endlessly in heaven for the trials he sent for us. This is not Disneyland, this is truth. There is no circumstance or situation that God cannot grow you if you choose to respond correctly. I think about the fruit of the Spirit. I've learned joy in the midst of grief. I've learned love when God put people hard to love alongside me. I've learned peace in the midst of chaos. I've learned patience when God makes me wait in pain. So God uses pain for... This worship of him, this fellowship with other people, this discipleship to make more like Christ, God uses pain to comfort. Yeah, those people who were insensitive when my dad died, they, they were right. I didn't need to hear it at that time. But one of the results of pain is that when God brings you through that pain, he then equips you and enables you to have that capacity to comfort other people. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Uh, You know that is true. You know when you meet those people who really have had little pain in their life, it's been pretty plain sailing. And when you're experiencing pain, they are, they're so good at quoting theology. But there's no real empathy. But then you meet someone who's lived through pain, and they've come through pain, and they are, they're so much better at comforting, aren't they? Because when you've experienced the pain of a painful divorce then you're much more empathetic when you sit with someone who's going through divorce. When you've experienced the pain of depression, you're you're much more empathetic when you are sitting with someone in the midst of depression. When when you've got chronic pain and God has chosen not to heal your pain, and you're still saying, God is still good, God is still good. When you sit with somebody who's in pain, it is much more powerful. See, God wants us to, to use our pain to comfort other people. As John Piper would say, don't waste your pain. And number five, he uses pain to witness. God often uses pain to bring people to Christ. Remember when Paul and Silas were in jail in Philippi and they're praising God and and God used that imprisonment to spread the gospel. Philippians 1 verse 12, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. People became Christians through them, and that is true. I think of my friend Robert, whose son was murdered 25 years ago. His witness and his testimony has led many people to Christ. So when we don't pretend, but when we say that God is still good and God is still powerful, people see something different in us and it leads them to Christ. One more purpose, hope because pain is never forever. One day all pain will cease. And Paul says, I I, I consider our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings, because that is reality now. It's suffering now, it's glory then. Today we suffer, today we're in pain. And Paul does not say that the future glory will make up for the suffering now. He says it, it won't compare with it. He's looking forward to that day when there'll be no pain, no suffering, no crying, no mourning, no prisons, no cancer, no cyclones, no depression, no devastation. But that's then. This is today. But when you have that hope, when you have that confidence, it does help you to deal with pain differently. Mother Teresa says this, in light of heaven the worst suffering on earth, a life full of the most atrocious torture on planet will seem to be no more serious than one night in an inconvenient hotel. When you keep your eyes fixed on heaven, it helps you to deal with your pain differently. First, we, we, we may never understand why. Why we went through so much pain, why so many things bad, bad happens to us. We ne- may never understand why, but we have a hope. Someone said this, we we can't choose what happens in our lives but we can choose how you respond to what's happening. God, what do you want me to learn through this? God, whom do you want me to help through this? God, how will you fill my mind with eternity? Number three, God's presence in our pain. God's presence in our pain. There's a quote from Tim Kellett, on the screen. Suffering can refine us. Rather than destroy us, because God Himself walks with us in the fire. God Himself walks with us. He is with us. He's present. He understands. He knows. That's what I love about Christianity. This world is not as God intended it, but, but rather than walking away from a messed up world, God chose to stick with us and then to step into this messed up world and to take on human flesh. In the person of Jesus Christ, God himself suffered. Jesus experienced what? Emotional pain, physical pain, relational pain, loneliness, abandonment, criticism, injustice, and that is so important to me. In in a real world of real pain, I do not want to worship a God who is immune to pain, who's never understood pain. But when I'm feeling broken, so was he. When I'm feeling betrayed, so was he. When I'm facing death, so did he. And it sounds cliche, but, but the cross is so significant for understanding of pain. Because at that cross, Christ suffered physical pain, you know, floggings, beating, nails, whip, spears. He suffered spiritual pain of taking on the wrath of his Father. I love what John Stott says. He says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. I've entered many Buddhist temples in different Asian countries and stood respectfully before the statue of Buddha. Buddha's legs crossed, arms folded, eyes closed, the ghost of a smile playing around his mouth, detached from the agonies of the world. But each time after a while, I've had to turn away. And in my imagination, I turn instead to that lonely, twisted, tortured figure on the cross. Nails through his hands and feet, back lacerated, limbs wrenched, brow bleeding through thorn picks, mouth dry, intolerably thirsty, That is the God for me. He laid aside his immunity to pain. He entered our world of flesh, blood, tears, and death, and he suffered. Our sufferings become more manageable in light of his. There's still a question against human suffering, but over it we boldly stamp another mark, the cross that symbolizes divine suffering. So God's experienced pain. More than that, God's in our pain. It's not just that God knows, but he's with us. He's like a close friend who sits with you who cries with you who wipes away your tears you know when one of my boys are hurting and when they're crying and they run to me i what do I do? I kneel down and so I'm at their level and then I I wipe away the tear with my hand because their tears are now in my hands. And, and then I hold them and I hug them and I feel their pain. Their pain is, their pain is now on me. That, that, that is God. He's not just distant, but he, he kneels down before you and he, he holds your tears and he carries you and he cares for you. He never promises to end your pain. Remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sad and overwhelmed to the point of death. He, he said to his disciples, stay, stay and watch. He, he needed company in the darkest of the hours. And he cries out, God, if, if it's possible, take away my pain. Ever prayed a prayer like that? Did God grant that prayer? No. But we're told that Jesus was strengthened by the angel who, that God sent to comfort him didn't change the circumstance, but he did provide comfort and strength. That is the promise of God. Always with you, always caring, sees you, knows you, and is able. I'll finish with this. Our, our, our attitude towards pain, it will either make you bitter or better. I've met many people who are bitter, angry, shaking their fist at God. And they've never experienced the the intimacy and, and the comfort and this worship that they could experience if they just run to God. It's okay to tell God you're not okay. It's okay to say you're hurting, but let him comfort you. Philip Yancey says, redeemed pain is more impressive than removed pain. I love that. Redeemed pain is more impressive than removed pain. He, he may not remove your pain, often doesn't, but he can redeem it for good. I'll leave the final word to that lady, Cara Tippett, who was inspirational. Because I believe God's plans for me are better than what I could plan for myself. Rather than run away from the path that God has set before me, I want to run toward it. I don't want to try and change God's mind. His thoughts are always perfect. I want to think His thoughts. I don't want to change God's timing. His timing is always perfect. I just want the grace to accept His timing. And I don't want to change God's plan. God's plan is always perfect. I just want to embrace His plan. And see how he is glorified through it. Let me pray. Father, we acknowledge there are people here this morning who are hurting deeply. In physical pain, relational pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain. Spirit, would you comfort them? Would you strengthen them? Would you help us to lift our eyes towards you, the all-powerful one, the almighty one? And we cry out to you, Lord, please stop this pain. But Lord, we choose, we choose to worship in our pain. We choose to give you the glory, to give you the praise because you are the God who knows pain. And that promise that you are with us, you see us, you care for us, you carry us, we thank you for that promise, Lord, in Jesus' name.